You're listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast, a daily podcast dedicated to helping B2B marketing, sales, and customer success professionals become masters of their craft. It's Tuesday, and today you'll hear an episode from our Takeover series. Every month, we ask a different practitioner or thought leader to host a series of interviews that cover a specific theme that's relevant to our community. And like Sangram always says, without a community, you are simply a commodity. Here we go. everybody, and welcome to ABM Mythbusting. This is a podcast series, and what we do is we look at account-based motions that are pretty common practice, but aren't necessarily the best practice any longer. My name is Celeste Lunsford. I'm Chief Research and Strategy Officer at Emissary. Now, what Emissary is, is we're a human intelligence network. What that means is we consist of thousands of technology buyers who had executive level positions in the Fortune 500. And what we do is we connect all those executives to sellers and marketers so they can share their insights, provide some coaching that helps you get into accounts, close bigger deals faster, and then expand the relationships you have. So I'm thrilled to have one of those emissaries with me today, Catherine Kelly. And she's the former GM of Commercial Excellence, Contracting and Procurement at Royal Dutch Shell. Welcome, Catherine. Thank you very much. Great to be here. Thank you. Now, the myth that she and I are going to tackle is is, is a big one, right? It's the avoid procurement at all costs, whatever you do. And the conventional wisdom from that, from a sales and marketing point of view, is that, you know, those procurement folks, the bad guys, right, Catherine? And they're the, uh, the non-technical hurdles in your sales process. And from a seller's perspective and a marketer's perspective, having been in that space for a long time, you know, my experience is procurement, their function is they bring in competitors and they work on basically lowering pricing and getting competitive bids. And so from a, a marketing point of view, you don't necessarily reach out and engage those folks. From a sales point of view, yet you try to avoid them. And if you can't, then you push it back in the sales cycle as long as possible. And the idea is that gives you more time to demonstrate value, to secure coaches and advocates before you get to that point where you have to start, you know, it becomes a cost exercise. But what's interesting is we recently surveyed as emissary a couple hundred of executive tech buyers who are part of that emissary and in human intelligence network. And we asked them to, to basically dissect for us the last time they bought something major in the tech space. Here we said major was anything over 250 grand US dollars. So not enormous, but enough that, that you know, they paid attention to it. And as you might expect, they said about three quarters of those cases, procurement was definitely involved or part of it. That didn't surprise us so much. But what was interesting is 19%, which is one in five, said that not only was procurement involved, it was more than just coming in at the end and kind of working on the contract and things like that. It was much more having a seat at the table and being part of the decision-making process and even having the power to veto a decision. So the business might have come up with a solution, but someone in procurement was empowered or had the role of maybe vetoing that. So that's kind of interesting, and that's probably a little bit different than what many of us have seen in the past. So, you know, Catherine, I know in your career, you've been on both sides. You've been the business buyer and the procurement partner. So how have you seen that change over time? Oh, I've seen it change quite considerably. I mean, procurement and the global organizations I've worked in, they really have changed a lot over 20 years. 
the successful organizations of today really have a procurement function that is able to cover everything from strategic business partnering alongside what is the more traditional contract, if you like, procurement side of the house. Mm-hmm. What you see is, is procurement taking on side its real seat about how it adds value to the business, not just about a transactional process where you know, you've got a contract in place, let's get it there, let's get it legal, let's get all the boxes ticked. So very different, I think, than it used to be in back in, say, 20 years ago. And I think some of that is really coming through and you see more and more of the digital transformation that procurement is also bringing to the table. Mm-hmm. So you see around that procurement side of the house where they are able to enable themselves to have that partnership conversation with the business about what the market's like, what the supply chain is like, who's out there, what they're selling for, what they're buying for, et cetera. There's a whole lot of, of new information that's becoming available. So I think that that engagement piece between the business and procurement has become much more tied up in what's the value that we could all bring to the organization. Yeah, that's interesting. I think, you know, some of our buyers, they get stuck in between. So I think sometimes it's a learning process for them as well. And sometimes I think as a seller, you might get coached maybe inappropriately by your buyer. Hey, let's let's both try to not call procurement. <laughs> that always, you know, that that rarely ends well. Yeah, I mean, I, I think we, one of the things I think is funny, I think over time, certainly if I go back over my own career, there were times that procurement and the business would enter the room as two separate entities. And right. the procurement guy always got to be the bad guy, I have to say. Business always got to be the good guy. And business would blame procurement a lot, maybe for things that weren't going in the right way. But often that was also part of the discussion and negotiation in some senses because the relationship was important. And so you needed someone to blame if you couldn't take it forward. But I see far less of that. I, I see none of that, to be fair, as we go forward. Because procurement and the business today are now focused on what is that strategic business deal that needs to be done? Why is it adding value to the organization? And I think the role in procurement is, is to help remove sometimes some of the pain points in any of the discussions as well. So you see a lot of a lot a lot more different dynamic um, than you used to see in the old days. So we should we call them that. So a good procurement manager always knows what the business is, what the what the problem is they're trying to solve, and how they can go forward with whoever the suppliers are, who's the best supplier for them in the room, and they have access to lots more information than they would have had before. So they are an important part, I think, of any any negotiation or any sales because the procurement person has got, as you said in your introduction, now the power often to veto um, a particular deal going forward. And the reason they've got the power is because they've built up that credibility in the organization and they built up the knowledge base so I think things change as you go forward and again as I say I think empowering them even further will be this digital transformation that you see coming at the moment. It makes a lot of sense I mean you have information you have insights and now you can bring more value. Yeah yeah. One of the interesting things that we saw in the survey is you know it, it used to be and used to be even like relatively recently that you know when you worked with really big organizations such as our Royal Dutch Shell or you were selling something big you knew that procurement was going to be involved but when we looked at the survey even at the lower end and again it wasn't small it was 250,000 but at the lower end procurement was involved still over half the time and so when we talked to people 
people such as yourselves or people on the buying side, you know, what they said is, you know, it is much more common. It's not necessarily like formal procurement isn't necessarily just like a big company thing or a big deal thing anymore. Mm. What have you seen? Yeah, I mean, procurement's, I think, beginning to find, if you think about the professionalism of procurement, perhaps if you go back and over a number of years, that profession wasn't necessarily there. You had good buyers and you had good sourcing people, et cetera, but you didn't necessarily have a, a professional organization behind it. And now you see that professional organization growing up and it, it is there. And um, with lots of people taking their qualifications and, and learning about markets and, and what to look for in sourcing strategy, how you do your RFIs, your RFPs, et cetera. But what I think you really see is that over time, individuals within any business become knowledgeable about the product or market that they're they're operating in and over time you also see that as companies grow that the ability of someone to cover that spread between what is their day-to-day business and what is the procurement business associated with it can sometimes become quite large and then you start to see people specializing in procurement adding value to that discussion And that's why I think you start to see a lot of the smaller companies beginning to come in with having people who are dedicated to a procurement function or type activity um, and then growing and growing in that. And what you see, I mean, particularly through COVID, what you see in COVID-19 is we're all experiencing supply chain challenges at the moment, whether you're a multinational, whether you're a small family business. And if you have a good procurement manager in the room with you or in the company with you, then hopefully they can help you navigate those supply chain challenges a lot easier than if you were just on your own, so to speak. So bringing your procurement people in and having specialists able to operate in that space, I think is why we're seeing a lot of the, the smaller companies beginning to see you know, the opportunities that procurement bring. And again, I come back to technology in some senses, which I get is really important because the technology allows you to free up your procurement people a lot more to actually have data-driven decisions and they can analyze that data if they have the right tools available to them and look at the processes and simplify your procurement processes. If you can lead your people to the right buying channel. Um, directly without having to tell them, coerce them, or sit them down and tell them what the right behaviors are, mm-hmm. because they just go there, right. then that's a very important piece for the organization. And so from a sales perspective, if I'm, if I'm trying to sell into this organization, I want to know what is their procurement strategy? Where are they, where are they on that bandwidth of, kind of technology? And what can I do to help them, I would imagine, about kind of either progressing their own journey and how my product fits into what their journey will look like in the, the near to midterm. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I think when COVID started, obviously there was, depending on the industry that you sell into, uh, immediate focus on price, immediate focus on in-year returns. And so there clearly was a, hey, I, I, I know that these, these deals, these conversations, these negotiations are going to be pretty pretty robust, pretty rigorous. But I think the the piece that, you know, perhaps isn't as obvious is what you just said is it's not just because there was a short-term cost focus. It was more about organizations really starting to realize, you know, it's one of those things where COVID accelerated a trend that was already happening, but just made it go much faster in terms of everybody knew supply chain was important, but, you know, those that maybe weren't necessarily large manufacturing concerns weren't as sophisticated about it. And so I think it's just one of those things where, People were starting to get there, but this pushed them forward very rapidly. 
I'd agree, Celeste, I'd agree with you completely, but I'd also add to that in terms of the, if you think about the public coverage in the newspapers and in the media about the word supply chain, they become common day parlance out in the real world, so to speak. And everybody now talks about supply chain and everybody talks about whether the supply chain can deliver this or what have you. And they see at the moment I'm in the UK and I can see there are shelves in the in some of the supermarkets that are emptier than normal because supply chain and some of us down to drivers, etc. But that means the parlance of the word supply chain become much more prevalent to everybody and so small companies big companies what have you and again the smaller companies will be thinking well, you know if i haven't used a professional procurement supply chain space in the past what am i missing what is it that the others have that i don't have so i, I think that's part of your your professionalism your growth and then the opportunity and the, the whole kind of the world is changing around us and i think that's where it comes from so as a seller or a marketer then when is the right time to engage? So if I can expect that increasingly procurement will be part of my process, increasingly procurement may be more strategic decision maker than I've thought of in the past. When When's the right time to engage them? Well, it sort of somewhat depends on your product, of course. But I mean, I would say that you always keep an eye open for an opportunity to engage with your procurement team in the company that you're trying to work with. They are, the procurement teams of today are professionals who look across their organizations. They don't just have one problem on their plate that they're trying to solve today. They have multiple problems. And sometimes a solution can fill multiple opportunities across an organization. It can actually meet a number of, of different business needs. It just requires somebody to do a little bit of thinking and swapping out, well, if you didn't do this and it was that, that actually that would fit in here too. So there's your procurement manager is a, is a unique position to be able to see across the organization to see what's there but they're also yes they're going to want value for money absolutely yes you know that's that's that a procurement manager's heart yeah however they're also looking for value for the business and what's the right commercial decisions to make what is the opportunity that working with this company can help the business to deliver and if you think about the conversations around kind of that salespeople have to have you know, we talked a little bit about the historic ones of let's not involve procurement at this point, we'll involve them later on when we're almost through the deal and we've almost got there and everybody's invested an awful lot of time. Then procurement will come to the table and for some reason or other say yes or no or probably say no on some basis that nobody had thought of because it was either not in the company interest or there's something, some conflict. Right. Nowadays, procurement should be at the table because they understand what the business challenges the business is trying to solve. But also from a procurement perspective and their process perspective, what is it that the company that they're looking at can bring into the organization and help them meet all of those hurdles in advance, so to speak? So mm -hmm. if there's a known challenge, then it's better to know that up front before you've invested lots and lots of time with the company because they're not good and suddenly turn around and say yes if there's, a, if there's a real showstopper at the end of the day. But I think procurement can really help in those early discussions. And they can also... You're educating the procurement person as well. I think about it from that perspective. So a good procurement person wants to be able to add value to the business. If you can help them understand the value proposition that you've got without doing the full sales, nobody wants to go into a full sales meeting every time, but just really having that grassroots conversation about what it is your company does, what the product does, where you've done it before, what are the good examples that helps the procurement person also understand 
what it is is a solution that you're trying to sell in. And that gives you another person in the room who understands what you're saying, which is also very helpful. If, you know, if the business decides you're the right solution, they'll have to convince a number of people because there's no, unless it's a very low cost decision, at no point will you probably have less than four, if not five people in a room making a decision. And you may not have access to all of them. Procurement might help you broker that a little bit more. And also, if you're in the company already, so you've made your successful sale, don't turn your back on the procurement person because they can open other doors for you, as I said earlier, because they have a they can look across the organization and involve them in changes that you see coming in your own organization about kind of what the new next product is, what the next step is, um, and having keeping them informed. So I think procurement are a real opportunity for the sales team if they can connect to the procurement person have that conversation show them what your product is show them what the opportunities are for the company then it's a great way to to have another ally in the room now they may not always want to meet with you so that might also be a challenge so let's let's be honest in that space but i what i'm trying to say probably and over egging it a bit is don't avoid them embrace them don't treat them like the enemy because they're actually there. Their job is to extract the best value with the best outcome for the company. It's the same as the business team. And they shouldn't just be standing in your way just for the sake of it. And I don't think they will anymore. I, you know, they have. There are always good people and bad people. But that's what I would say. Embrace them. <laughs> so from a, a marketing perspective, that, that's interesting because if you've got a seller who's trying to get that, so let's say you're running an ABM motion and you've got a seller trying to get into an account and ABM, this account is part of your ABM program. Then from a marketing perspective, you're providing some air cover and you're including that procurement person as one of the people as you sell into the account. Yeah. And it's see what you said about, you know, it's never, none of these things are just one decision maker anymore. And when we did this study, depending on the size of the deal, I mean, a little bit larger, there tended to be more people sometimes and sometimes if just the organization was very matrix there were lots of people but it was it was always at least five to six people on a technology purchase of 250 or greater and in some cases up to 10 or more people and these processes last from six months to a year and the more people you have involved the longer they tended to drag out and so it's interesting in terms of embracing the procurement early and messaging to them just as you would message to I've got a mentor you know message yeah. to corporate IT and messaging to my business decision makers I also have to think about those other people that will be involved in the process and security or privacy or legal or finance and they Indeed. may not always want to meet with me right away but they're still getting messages I'm still starting to to make those impressions but I'd also say in some of the organizations, especially the smaller ones, often the business doesn't know where to start with trying to find who can supply me with what my need is. And if they have a procurement function, they will go to the procurement function nowadays to say, can you help find this for me? And then they might do an RFI or they might just do a piece of, of desk research. And then your opportunity to have influenced the procurement person earlier on, if you have one, means they already know you're out there and you exist. Because in large companies and in small companies, it's not always easy to how you how you manage the matrix organization. But you know, people move on. <laughs> and they're not always in the same job, as we all know. And once you've got your sales pitch through to whoever, then that person moves on. 
the procurement team will, will continue with the strategy and the history and, and the knowledge, while sometimes the business transfers. And so you've got this kind of mixture of an opportunity with your procurement person to have a bit of a, a network that you can go back to when everything else has changed. And yes, your procurement person might change, but procurement tend to keep you know strategic files and, and have a strategy about who they're going forward and they have... You know, if you can go to them, they'll give you a list of names of people who they think might be what you want, but they're not absolutely sure. But, we'll, you know, together you can work it through. So your procurement person is also an opportunity for you for future sales and maybe different spaces as well. So, yeah, I would, again, embrace my yeah. procurement manager. <laughs> well, it's interesting, though, because I, I also think, you know, the again, the feeling is, hey, once I'm listed as a preferred supplier and I go through that sometimes very painful long process, <laughs> then I don't know that most people would think of, hey, I need to keep this procurement person in my circle as someone that I'm, when I'm thinking about cross-selling or upselling or expanding my relationship, because I feel like, hey, I've got my business owner, I'll do really well with this first engagement, and they'll refer me to other parts of the organization. And to your point, that doesn't always happen, those people move along, but that procurement person might be an untapped resource because they stay a little longer. Absolutely. I mean, I have experienced so many companies who have, who sit down with the top leaders in the organization and they have airtime, they have their half an hour every quarter, they have what they need in terms of access. But for some reason, it just doesn't get beyond that room. Right. Um, and to get beyond that room, then you need to look at other people in the organization who can help you navigate elsewhere in the business. Procurement is one of those strands and one of those organizations I think that you could absolutely use to say, look, I'm, you know, I've got other products that are in my stable. I'd like to be able to take these to other places in the organization. And if you've already got your foot in the door from a strategy point of view, that's great. But that meeting with those strategic people that you're meeting with are probably only focused on the problem they're trying to solve. There are many other problems out there and other opportunities. So you could, I would, if I was in that space, I would connect with the procurement people regularly just to keep them on side, like I'm doing with the senior leaders that I'm working with, just to say, okay, right, you know, what else can we do? Is there anything else we can do? And then I'd say, no, there isn't, but at least you're keeping the door open. And then you'll you'll be on top of their mind if somebody else comes along with a similar similar quest or um, need for a solution to be filled. And what should the messaging be? So one of the things that, that I've experienced in the past, and I know others in a, a marketing and, and sales roles have, is that many times procurement, so in some large organizations, there are category specialists who... Yeah probably are a little more technical if they're buying technology. But in a lot of organizations, you might find that the procurement point of contact isn't technical. And so what should your messaging be? Because it might be slightly, it probably should be different than the other decision makers you're working with. Well, I mean, this is my personal perspective. I mean, if you were in those shoes, so if you are a professional procurement person, but you're not technical, right. one of your areas that you might feel a bit blindsided on indeed is the technology. So what would be nicer than to have somebody who in a quiet moment can explain more to you about the product right. that, you're, that you've got and to share more understanding of what it is is being sold so that you feel as a so I would feel as the as the the person who's who's not technical more assured that whatever is being delivered is correct 
and deepen my own understanding. Now, I my personal way of working is to kind of is quite hands-on. I like to kind of understand the nuts and bolts. I like to go and find out more about the detail. And if I had somebody who wasn't trying to upsell me and wasn't trying to give me a really hard sell, but was open to a conversation, says, explain to me what it does and how it works and, and, and what the repercussions are and what the future might look like and what are the things that we're not thinking about, that would help me in my job. So that might be a way that you could approach somebody. Other people might not want to have that information, I have to say, but I would like to know it because it would make me more confident and more capable because I can then have a better conversation with the business myself. So I wouldn't be scared of that conversation if I was if I was selling into an organization. And I'd also say the messaging would be around kind of the bigger piece around what my company is. Where are we going as an organization? Who do we partner with? What are the other parts of the organization that, what are, where else are we working? What else are we doing? Because quite often you find it's a small world and actually after a while, lots of things are interconnected, which can be a good thing. And maybe there are opportunities that you've got that were just, as I say, are not necessarily top of the head. But when you sit down and talk to somebody, you start to see patterns and you start to see opportunities. You know, that's interesting. Um, and some of the, when I work with some of the folks in our emissary network, I was talking to someone like yourself, work for a major uh, organization in, in more of the procurement supply chain side. And one of the things that he had said is, listen, you know, that the business will get really excited sometimes about a technology, really innovative. Yeah. And then I come along and just as you said about looking for, I'm looking at the, the selling organization, the vendor. And you said is what I'm looking for is how long have you been in business? How, how dependent are you on your founder, right? So what if your founder exits and moves on 10 years from now, if I get audited, you know, highly regulated industry, what, what, how will you assist in that? And so he said, you know, just would blow people's minds because they had gotten to the point in the sales cycle where they'd gotten to by talking about these great great cutting edge innovations. And he's looking at, I don't even care what the widget does. I want to know about the financial stability of your firm, yeah. uh, you know, the leadership yeah. and the, the longevity and who's going to retire. And he said, and people just were always were rarely prepared for that conversation. Well, I have a really, I have a question I learned a long time ago and I learned it because it cost me at the beginning. I had gone out to find somebody who could do something and it was technology. I needed them to do something that was possible, but we weren't sure it was going to work. And so when I went to market, went out, had a look around with my procurement colleagues, we couldn't really find anybody, but then we found someone and then they said, oh yeah, we can do it. And, you know, we went for it. It didn't work. The next time I did it, I realized I had to ask the question is, yes, I know you can do it, but have you ever actually done it? (laughs) (laughs) And that was, it was, it was a small detail, but it was a very important one. So I have to say, I've been caught on the business side. I've been quite excited by an idea that we wanted to do. And at that time we didn't catch it, but now I honestly believe that that wouldn't happen again in the, with the people that I've worked with from the procurement side, they would have done their, they would have done due diligence and I, I have learned since to ask the question, well, when have you done it and how often have you done it? And I know you can fly to the moon, but can you get me back? So the questions like that. And they're, they're really important. And the procurement person, if they can give that assurance, then the business guys can get all excited about their, their pie in the sky and their great idea. And off they go. But you've got to be able to deliver it at the end of the day. So... And so it sounds like as, as we talk, this is more of a back and forth conversation. And again, whenever you market, you market to an account and you market to the personas in that account, but you also market to the individuals. And I imagine there are different people that go about their role differently. But as we talk, 
your approach seems to have been and, and what we're seeing more out in the marketplace is much more two-way interactive, collaborative. And in and, and the past, you know, my experience would be that sometimes you'd be afraid to start that conversation because you, you would talk to someone in procurement and next thing you know, an email would go out to all of your competitors saying, I just had a conversation with one of the other vendors and here's the three things they talked about. And so now you all know those three things and it's a level playing field. And in sales and marketing, you're always like, well, I don't want a level playing field, right? I'm trying to show how I'm better than everybody else. But it was, you, it's, but you never know, always had that, that opportunity to just sit down and have conversations. And so I think that's really intriguing and probably more possible than it might've been in the past. It's true, but I mean, I mean there are, that's not to say that the process of, of being true and fair and ethical um, are there, because they all have to be. And that's, that means procurement has a really important role to play for everybody in that space. It, it's, it works better if everybody is upfront and, and, and can share the information so that everybody has that level playing field. But having said that, there is nothing wrong with conversation. I mean, what we're talking about here is, is a connect really and a relationship that doesn't necessarily have proprietary information in it because you're selling what you should be available to the organ to the to anybody and you're explaining what you're able to do. Now getting your procurement manager in the room may well be quite difficult because they don't want to be sold to. And that's that, that's a fair side of the thing. But at the same time, when you are brought in or you're coming in. And you're, we go back to the beginning of the conversation when you're coming into the organization and part of that process will be a procurement person at the table, then that procurement person is someone to embrace rather than to walk away from and go, oh, I can't see them. They're not there. I'm not going to talk to them today. And hopefully they won't ask me any difficult questions. I would embrace them as part of that team that's looking to evaluate your product. And then as you've got into the organization, and you've got your foot in the door and you've now got your strategic contracts to keep them on side by just making sure you keep that door open with them with the relationship piece. And you'd have to ask them what they what they would like. Maybe they don't want anything. But if you ask and are open and then remember to connect with them on occasion, just with an update, whatever it might well be, that I think is, is the start of a good relationship and not one that's difficult or outside the bounds of ethics or anything like that it's just more of a case of you're just appraising the organization and all the players that are in it of, of what you're doing and, and where you're at so right. don't treat them like the enemy <laughs> yeah. so they may not always be that the bad guys so to to sum us up so I, I think we've covered some interesting ground and and to sort of sum up I think some of the places that we've covered is the first is really to understand and, you know, you, it's funny, you mentioned, don't, you know, procurement people don't like to be sold. Well, no one wants to be sold to in that perspective. So it's what's this organization's buying process and, and trying to surface early what the role of procurement will be and doing the appropriate marketing motions and selling motions to, to treat that like any other decision maker, none of whom want to be sold to, all of whom want to bring value to the organization. And then the second layer you mentioned that was interesting is, and again, you know, procurement people are individuals. And they're all going to have different styles and approaches. Yeah. But now that they're armed with all this data and digital transformation, they are very likely to have more strategic roles. They're more likely to be involved and understanding how they'll be able to work with you is key. And there might be opportunities for much more value-based, you know, consultative type relationship than you might have thought. 
And then the, the third thing is once you get through that process is to not let go of that relationship, which I thought was kind of eye-opening of, you know, that person is going to be really threaded throughout these complex organizations and they could be your coach. They could be the person who helps broker you into other places. And I think that's just untapped potential many of us haven't mined before. I, I agree with you. I'm not sure I would go as far as say coach because I think that's possibly yeah. stepping over the mark. But if you if you, they can be the ambassador because they're in that network, that spider network, and I think that would be really really important. Yeah. So I think you summed it up really well, Celeste. To be fair, <laughs> ambassador emissary, as you will. Yeah, you were emissary, indeed, an emissary. Oh. Indeed. <laughs> well, thank you so much for sharing the actual point of view from the other side. I think it is always so refreshing to hear about how when there are people buying technology, how and who and, and why. And for everybody listening, and don't forget to check out the other podcasts in this series where we talk about other ABM myths. And do reach out to us at emissary.io if you'd like to leverage Catherine or one of the other emissaries in our network to help your teams navigate buying cycles. Thanks and have a great day. You've been listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast. To make sure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you have an iPhone, we'd love for you to open the Apple Podcasts app and leave a review. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.